Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Donnie Fandango of 105.7 The Point. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and the dude Jamie Rivers. Jamie, first and foremost, Happy New Year, sir. Yeah, Happy New Year, buddy. New Year, new you, huh? New Year, new <laughs> me. All right, so, okay, stop, stop right there. Bam. Right there. Everybody has a New Year's resolution. Okay. Right? Some of them are outlandish. Some mm-hmm. of them are completely unattainable. Some of them are so easy that you can fulfill them quickly. Yes. Do you Have you taken a moment to think of one or a couple things that you are looking to? I think one thing I'm going to try to do in 2023 is just not be so hard on myself sometimes when I make mistakes. That sort of thing. Yeah. You know, just be a little easier on myself. That kind of thing. But I don't, I don't like to make the resolution, Jamie, because then I feel like I break it, and then I feel like a failure feel on like top. Failure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of did this whole life change in the last year and a half, and that's kind of what I'm rolling with. Yeah, I'm still trying to continue down the path of being a lot healthier. Um, you know, and, you know, obviously I, I work a lot, so I, I just continue to try and enjoy everything I do and be a good dad. And, you know, the one thing that I think I'd like to continue to improve on just because I am so busy and because I've been hitting the head a lot is, um, managing my time better and, you know, managing everything overall, just a little bit better so that I'm more organized that's dude, dude, but I mean, like, I understand that, but brother, I think I only know half of what you have going on, and I don't know how you ever have a chance to sit down. So, also, too, man, it's got to be tough just to keep up with the Monday through the Friday, anyway. It is. It's a grind. I, um, you know, I'm a little bit of the uh, prehistoric person when it comes to being organized. A lot of people now have the calendar on their phone and the yeah. reminders and the ding and ding, and I'm like. It would take me longer to put that into my calendar, and I really wouldn't know what's dinging when it happens. So I go um, the old school, like calendar, where you can open it up and write into sure. it. So I do that, and then I also have created my own Word doc. Donnie, okay, it's, it's a boy. It's complicated. Okay, <laughs> hear me out. So right. First, what I did was I took a blank Word doc page, and then I uh, I put in Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, and right there. There it is, Friday. Okay. Left them blank, and then I just copied them, mass-produced them. So now on Sundays, what I do is I sit down and I write down daily the things that I have to accomplish on those days. 
And if I don't get it done, like if I have Monday, if I have like five or six things that have to get done, and for some reason I don't get to them all, I take that and I carry it to Tuesday and then add it to my list for Tuesday. This keeps me, this so far is helping me stay more organized. Hey, man, whatever works. It's primitive. I understand it. Yeah. Uh, but it works for me. Hey, and hey. I'm a very visual person. So when I have it in front of me, I remember it and I think about it and I do it. If it's in my phone, it's like it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Also, too, what what helps me sometimes here um, is I do do an old school to-do list. Yeah. So so if if I've got a lot going on, which Fridays most of the time I do, I'll just tick down everything that I have, even if it's small, because, yo, man, when you're crossing that stuff off, it feels good. It feels like you're getting stuff totally. done. I, 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 it's I a mental just, thing for totally. myself. It, like I get well. up every day um, and I go work out. Well, I'll put workout on every single day. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to do it. Yep. I don't have to remind myself to do it, but to your point, it feels good to cross that off. When you look at the whole page of like seven things that are gone because you did it, I'm like, I'm a dominating mofo right, <laughs> right now. I am getting stuff done. <laughs> so what, what did you do for New Year's? Were you guys in Vegas? Uh, no, we came back from Vegas. Okay. Uh, so I, I joined a team in Seattle mm-hmm. and um, then did the game in Seattle, travel with the team to Vegas to where I had two days off in Vegas and then the game in huh. Vegas. Huh. I flew my lovely girlfriend out to see me. That sounds like a great, great idea. It was the best idea. Ever. To yeah. be honest, I, I'd done Vegas so many times. I'd never done it uh, with somebody else, right? Like, I'm like, this is going to be different. It was awesome. We did so many things. We had like 36 hours of just doing stuff, but it was awesome. We did dinners. We went out. I got a friend of mine that um, you know owns a couple of the casinos there, so he, he kind of rolled out the red carpet for us. Like It was just awesome. We had a great time, but we ended up coming back on Christmas Eve, celebrating Christmas here, and then for New Year's, you know, we didn't have kids. Between my girlfriend and I, was six kids. And so it was kidless night. We're like, okay. Uh, you got to take advantage of that, man. What now? Yeah. And so we kind of hemmed and hawed and pieced it together. We didn't want to do the whole, like, crazyville stuff, right? Like, where there's thousands of people and you're like, I'm a little, I'm a little older now, Don. I'm a little more refined. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. At least yeah. That's refined the is the word. Yeah, that's the picture I'm trying to paint here right now. Um so I called an old friend. Uh, actually, I called his girlfriend and organized a dinner. That old friend was Tony Twist. Hey, Twister! Yeah, the Twister. Twist and shout. Him and his lovely girlfriend uh, met us out for dinner, and uh, we went to a place called BC's Kitchen. It's out in the uh, the meadows out in St. Charles okay. area. Uh, Cardwell's. Bill Cardwell. The guy I've heard, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that name. In Clayton area. Yes, yeah. Well, that shut down. This is... Uh, you know, like an offspring of that. So it was really awesome. We, uh, it was crazy because Twister and I, you know, we hang out, but we haven't really hung out that much. It's a three hour dinner. We sat there, we eating and having laughs and just reminiscing and telling stories. And then the girls are looking at us like, what on earth <laughs> are we doing with these guys type thing? And then, um, then we went over to Maristar, went to the bottleneck blues bar. They had a good little band playing there and we rung in the new year over to Maristar and then we're like okay we're good yep. that's it everybody time to time go to roll. before i turn into a pumpkin <laughs> what'd you do you know what it was the best new year's that i've had in forever um it's i gotta be careful how this sounds so mary was out of town uh it was just me and dexter and ava my two youngest 
Uh, Ava went to a party with her friends. So it was me and Dexter. I asked Dexter what he wanted to do. He said he wanted wings and stuffed crust pizza and to watch uh, one of the New Year's Eve shows. So, you know, we got a stuffed crust pizza. We got some wings. Uh, At 1230, we went and picked up my daughter. I was home with everybody by 1245, in bed a little after 1 o'clock, and it was perfect. But, like, I am not a – my early radio career, the first three years that I did radio, I did Sunday nights at the Oz – Every single Sunday. Wow. So I think. Oh, the memories. Man, I think I just got (laughs) so much of my drinking stuff out of the way between like 21 and 25 that like I just, dude, I have no desire to to do that and to have the hangover thing anymore. Yeah. So I'll be the designated driver from here on out, and I don't mind it. Well, that's good to know, slides. Donnie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. You're hired. Yeah. Oh, but you'll be the wise ass that'll call me right when the Bills game's getting ready to start and say that you need a ride or something along those lines. You know, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> it would just right. be a coincidence. Why would you ever know? You know, one thing, and this, I just thought of it. You know, obviously I'm a Bills guy. Obviously I'm a sports guy. But the way that the sports world and the NFL has reacted to – um, the the situation with the Buffalo Bills player, uh, I just think has been really remarkable. Yeah. The way the Bengals were, the organization, the fans. Like, I mean, for the love of Pete, like, it's just been a really amazing thing to see. So I've been through a couple of those situations. Um, the Chris Pronger situation. Yeah, were you there? Yeah, I was on that team. And so that was handled one way to where, you know, Prongs, his heart stopped, he dropped, they had to administer CPR and all that stuff, and but the game didn't stop. The game kept going. You know, it's unprecedented, right? And nobody really knew what the heck had happened to Prongs, and because it's playoffs, nobody says anything. Because you don't want the other team to know, you know, all this other stuff. Like, And so Prongs, I mean, he made a quick recovery, which was awesome. He spent the night in Detroit that night, flew back the next day, then he was at morning skate and played. So it was amazing. I mean, Unreal. the doctors did a fantastic job uh, of, well, keeping him alive for one thing. But then it was just one of those things that happened in the league. You know, they didn't really have to alter anything because it, it got cleared up so quickly. So that was one situation where I was a part of that. The other one was Yuri Fisher in Detroit. Okay. And uh, Yuri Fisher is a defenseman with the Red Wings. And, Long time, yeah. too, right? Chelios and I are sitting on the bench next to Yuri Fisher. And he falls off the back of the bench. This had happened before. The old Joe Lewis, you had a bench, and it's like if you come over the boards too hot and you go to sit down, you overshoot the wooden bench and you end up on your ass on the ground. <laughs> sure. It's usually a funny thing. <laughs> right. Okay. So when this happened, Chelly and I started laughing. And then we realized that don't look right. And we didn't realize. And then so then Chelly starts to yell and the trainer's coming down. And now Mike Illich, who's, who was Mr. I, the owner of the Red Wings, um, rest in peace, what an amazing human being he was. But uh, he was the first one, I believe, to mandate that the doctors sit right near the bench. And so when this happened, we had doctors jumping over the railing down the tunnel, like 10, 12, 15 feet down in the air to the ground and CPR to Yuri Fisher right away. Pete Van Zant, our trainer, come down cutting open the jersey. They got the little AED, the electric defib out. And we're sitting there as players, like, what the heck? Stevie Eisenman jumps on the ice and he skates right over to the referee. The referee's about to call him for too many men on the ice because he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Right, right. Then he realizes that Nashville stops. We're playing the Predators at the time. The Preds are like, they stop. The ambulance comes right on the ice at Joe Lewis. 
Fish's fiance is up in the crowd at the time, the wives and the kids, and oh my God. So when that happened to DeMar Hamlin, I knew exactly what was going on. And people were all up in arms like, why did it take the NFL so long to call the game? Let me tell you why. There is so many things going on. The players are trying to figure out, like the home team or the Buffalo Bills are trying to figure out, is my teammate going to make it or not? What's going on? We want information here. The Bengals, they're doing the same thing. They're rattled, and they're trying to figure out what's going on with their player. The coaches are trying to figure out how to keep their teams together because you may have to keep playing. Yeah, absolutely. You may. Now, I know Sean McDermott was like, no, we're done here. But if the NFL says you're not. Then you're not. You're not, or you just take the loss, which is what happened with us in Detroit, was Steve Eisman got up and just told the league, we're not playing. We'll take the loss. And then Nashville, to their credit, said the same thing. So oh, the league, wow. so the league, uh, we replayed the game like two months later, a month and a half later, and we were down by a goal. So the game started one nothing for Nashville, way way down the road. But we had the luxury of playing another half a season before, or a quarter of a season. Like it wasn't the last game of the season for us, like it was the Bills and the Bengals. But there's so much chaos going on at that point. The league is trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, They're looking at the schedule, and then they're evaluating the situation. The league is making sure they're not losing a player on the field as well. And so all of the stuff that's happening, the NFL, I think they – I firmly believe they handled it the right way. Mm -hmm. They got all their ducks in a row and were able to then go, you know what? Game is canceled. Right. We'll figure this out at another time. Mm -hmm. And everybody go about your merry way and make sure that, one, your teammate – is doing okay, um, and your families go see your families and you know love on each other. You know, I, I and listen. This is another conversation for another time, but obviously you know where my allegiances lie in this particular situation. But even more so, I'm a I'm a fan of humans. Yeah. So so I, I I like to see humans win. I understand that people wanted that game to be canceled ten minutes after this all went down, but like you said. There, there was a million things that were going on that we weren't seeing, and also at that same time, I mean, who, they did. It just feels like everybody just jumps to ten and wants to absolutely dismantle the NFL for twelve thousand other reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they use this to just continue to crumb on them. Totally and get it. I just, I, I mean, I, I mean, I've seen, I saw so many Bengals fans and Bills fans hugging each other. And, like, it was just... It was bigger than a game. Dude, it was wonderful. Yeah. You know, and it, because it was genuine. It wasn't BS. You know what I mean? I and uh, And it was just really... Uh, it was really something else. And and just as a, as a, a huge fan of the Buffalo Bills, I did not think that it was possible for me to love my team any more than I did previously. Mm. But, boy, oh, boy, here we are. Like... Bills Mafia. $7 million. But you know what the thing about that is? So they raised $7 million for, for Hamlin's thing. But, it, but but the greatest part about that, not just Bill's Mafia. No, no. But they're the ones who pioneer. Yeah. They're always the ones who kind of kickstart that going, hey, we're into this. And then once the 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 craziness in a positive way starts to happen with like 500000 a million, they're hitting $2 million. Now everybody's like all eyeballs on this. They're like, hey, we're in yeah. too. Well, dude, it was like. Chris Jericho, the wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he donated Y two J. Dude, he donated ten grand. Tom Brady, five grand. Like it was just like you know, man. Like I it know. was just really 
amazingly wonderful to see. And uh, also, too, man, it puts the sports in perspective for me because I know I take it way too seriously. I was on my couch that Monday night before all that happened, just like white knuckles. It's a big like, game. It was a huge game. I know. But perspective is very much needed. I think that was good. It. I think it was good for society in general, especially, you know, with the temperature of things, the way they get sometimes. Um, I don't think it was positive that, that he got hurt. No. So make sure I want to make sure our listeners understand that too. I, I don't ever see any positive in that. The positive I'm drawing is the, the reaction from people and the, you know, being a human being following that. So for that, I was very pleased with how people react. Yeah. If you're a player. Yeah. And you're playing, whatever the next game is, how do you keep your wits about you? Because obviously your adrenaline, your emotions are going to be, I mean, I would think that that would be like sort of the level that you would get on a playoff game or a Super Bowl or something like that. Like, how do you, and how do you keep the team like, okay, guys, we got to, we got to breathe. Well, one thing that you got to remember here is uh, how do you get your team reengaged? So never mind being like, oh, totally pumped up. What about the guys now that are scared to go out there? Yeah. I didn't think about that. What about the guys that are like, what if that was me? Yeah. What about the guys now that are pulling up on hits that are like, you know, because they're human beings. It happens. You see something like that happen, you start to doubt everything. And so, you know, the the hardest game to play is the next one. It's like getting back on the horse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember going through it. You know, the, the playoff one with Chris Pronger, that wasn't as difficult because Prongs was okay very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he himself was back on the ice. So it's like, okay. It's a little bit of a, like a like a moment where you're like, okay, wow, that was serious. But then you're like, okay, he's back. Yep. Let's get back to business. Mm-hmm. But the Yuri Fisher thing, that stuck with us, man. Like, Fish just got bumped into. And, you know, you look out on the ice, how many hits are in a, in a game? How many body checks in a game? Yeah, like, what, there's like 30 each side? So let's say 60 that are being registered, but there's a lot more body contact than that goes on. Like anybody, like you could be hit at any time and go through the same stuff. So it was a little bit difficult, but then you're like, your instincts take over. Mm-hmm. And you get back at it and you're like, you know what, like this is what I love to do. Um, of course, it's your job, but you get back to what you should do quickly and then then you're motivated you want to win for your teammate you want to do great things you want to do great things for your fan base and all that but i think it's not all that hard to keep it dialed in because i believe that you have a lot more perspective following that so even though you're amped up you're amped up like with a purpose yeah makes sense so over holiday break the uh, kiddos and mary all got in to see dr maxwell and the staff at crestwood dental group for the dental cleanings and such and uh with both of my kids having braces just so important that we get in there make sure that the teeth are in great shape and they are and a lot of that is due to dr maxwell and his staff at crestwood dental group listen if you want to find out more about uh, dr maxwell and the staff there you need a dentist the family needs a dentist 314-820-0909 that's 314-820-0909 listen i like dr maxwell because one he loves st louis sports so we got a lot to talk about but two uh, he's always learning trying to make it easier on the 
patient every time that they come in. You know, so I know that my doctor is doing, or my dentist rather, is doing his best to make sure that that experience is as pleasant as humanly possible. Find out more by reaching out to Dr. Maxwell and his staff. Again, CrestwoodDental.com or give them a call at 314-820-0909. Well, I tell you what, uh, one thing that has been consistent with our St. Louis Blues this year is that every time that I think that, all right, well, it's, it's time for us to think about what could be coming at the trade deadline or whatever. These freaking guys pull it out, and these last two games in Toronto and uh, and last night in New Jersey, not perfect, but dude, they're working their butts off. You're seeing it. You're seeing the effort there. Yeah. They get a couple of wins, and you start to think, why the heck can't we turn this thing around? Yeah. I Look, I agree. This team, um, this team has been all over the place this year. They I really still don't know been. what to think of them. I don't either. I really don't, but I do like, I do like what I'm seeing here in the last couple of games. Not that I didn't like having Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko in the lineup. I'd rather have them on the ice yeah. right now doing the same things. Trust me. But sometimes adversity galvanizes a group in different ways, and then you have an influx of some young energy that hits your lineup from the minors that they don't really know what's been going on here because they haven't been here, so they don't care. Like, no, nah, I'm here to play, man. Mm-hmm. Give me my stick. So I. I like what I'm seeing. And Jordan Bennington, I will die on this hill. He has been fantastic all season long. Yeah. And uh, on the fast lane, we get textures that push back all the time. If he was great, look at his numbers. Really? Go ahead. Look at his numbers. Go back and watch every single game that the Blues have won this year and take a look at some of the timely saves he's made. The other night against Toronto, his numbers were terrible. Mm-hmm. 25 shots, 5 goals. Without Jordan Bennington, you lose the game by three. A hundred percent. Well, and I don't even remember what shot, but there was a shot towards the end of the third. Yeah, breakaway. Well, dude, he just absolutely stoned him. And JK even said at the time was like, remember that save. Yeah. He makes the big save when he needs to. Well, look at yesterday. How many big saves did he make to the Devils? At one point, I didn't know if the Blues had sticks. They had 11 shots on goal, and it was like 28 to 11, the shots on goal at one point. I was like, oh, my, Lanta. Yeah. There's a second period. And then Bennington's going post to post, making saves and blocker save, blocker save, pad save, glove save. Where are you without that guy right now? Absolutely so. I just want people to realize it. And also, too, man, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I don't understand why the people that, that, that complain about Bennington don't see the glaring lack of defense on most of the goals in which that are scored, man. Well, the great eight chances that are being given up, even last night, it goes off the charts. How do you minimize that? How, because it seems like it, oh, that that part hasn't stopped. But also, too, ooh, ooh, I've been meaning to ask you this for a couple of weeks. Okay. So, obviously, offense is up in the mm-hmm. NHL, big time. Yes. So, are what we seeing with the Blues, is that something that's just fairly common with other teams? Or, or are we lack? I mean, we're, I feel like we're still lacking here. I think it's some of the pieces are common, but we're giving up too many grade-A chances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't like our puck management on a consistent basis. I feel like there's always that extra pass, that, that sideways pass, whether it's at the red line or at the other team's blue line that gets picked off. It kills your momentum. It kills your forecheck. It creates gaps between your defenseman and the opposition. The other teams are good now. They move the puck quickly. Their transition game is boom, right back in your face. It creates outnumbered situations. It doesn't allow your defense to join the attack with confidence. So for me, the puck management is number one. Uh, Part two of that is the defensive zone coverage is just, I don't know if it's a lack of um, 
knowledge about what the system is, a lack of effort, or the system is flawed. I'm not sure. And maybe it's a little piece of all of it. But what I'm watching is a Blues team that they, they treat their defensive zone like a penalty kill, almost, to where they're all in the middle of the ice, and then they go rushing out at the puck guy, and when he moves the puck, they go skating back to the middle of the ice. Well, good teams, what they figured out is they move the puck quickly and get it back. And now you're caught in transition, so then somebody else has to jump in and cover. Well, his guy's available now. And then the defense, the one thing that they're doing a better job of, I'd like to see even better, get out of the crease. Like the net front D is, is their heels are in the crease. It shouldn't be. And I was telling this to Anthony Stalter yesterday on the fast lane. You know, Jimmy Roberts used to just to say when we were coming in the league, he's like, if you're standing there and you can spin in a circle and your stick doesn't hit anybody, you're not covering somebody. You're you're making a mistake mm-hmm. because you should be close enough to somebody at all times to where you can disrupt them. And right now, there's many times where the Blues are not. You know, they're four feet, five feet away from a guy. That's all you need. And heck, you only need two feet in the NHL these days. Guy gets a puck. It's on his stick, off his stick. It's in the net. You're like, oh, what happened? Well, you didn't have him. Yeah. But I was in my spot. Doesn't matter. Just because the little X on the board says you should be here, you have to adapt. Because other teams are going to notice that. And then they're going to pull out in that soft little area in the low slot. And then when you collapse on that guy. So this scenario has presented itself many times. One, that guy jumps out in that low slot area and gets available because the net front defenseman is too close to the goalie and he can't get to him. So there's a quick little shot. John Tavares with the Leafs just last week here. That's the one on circle. He scored like that on the Blues. What happens then is your offside forward collapses down on that guy because he's like, oh, my God, that guy's available. Well, guess who becomes available now? The offside defenseman or the forward who pops out into that spot a la William Nylander in Toronto where he just popped out high slot, the Blues collapsed on the guy down low, left him wide open, one-timer goal. So I think that playing tighter, stick length away, is always a good motto to have. And then when one guy becomes aggressive, the other guys have to be aggressive too. So the first guy that's defending can't go in there, stick on puck, and just be whacking away at the puck. Like It's stick on puck, body through body. Eliminate the player. And that's the best way to do it. And then what happens, there's a chain reaction because that player who gets hit has to move the puck somewhere. Now the next guy stick on puck, body through body. And then the first guy who made the play, he stays within a foot of the original coverage so that the puck doesn't just go bouncing back to that guy and then he takes it to the net. So there's, a, there's always a hit, pause, two, three, then retreat. Yeah, it, it just seems like, a lot of time. Moves. A lot of running around right now. That's right. That, I was just going to say that, where they just feel like they're kind of scattered. You know what I mean? And, it's and, happening. And you, you just see it. So, But it is, getting, it is getting better. It is. There's improvement. It was way worse, but it could still use some improvement. So uh, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Jeremy Rutherford uh, releases an article in The Athletic, and in that article talks about how there was a text message sent uh, from uh, GM uh, Doug Armstrong to... I think it was Pareko, Saad, Shin, kind of just saying, hey, boys, we need you. Yep. This was after the injuries to O'Reilly and yeah. Tarasenko. It, and you obviously you could tell me I'm crazy. It just feels strange to me that those kinds of conversations are necessary from the no, GM to you're, the player. You're looking at it wrong. Okay. You're looking at it wrong. Good. So what I look at it is it's a general manager who realizes that three of his best players are out. Tory Krug. Ryan Riley, Vladimir Tarasenko. He's realizing that 
he hasn't had a consistent season from Pareko, uh, Brandon Saad. I'm not going to say Braden Shen. I don't know how you can say that about Shen. No, but you're not saying that. What What's happening here is Doug Armstrong is basically saying, hey, guys, listen, we're in one here right now. I need you guys to elevate. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean you haven't been playing hard. Like in the case of a Braden Shen, you know he's leaving it out on the ice every single night. Yeah. But, hey, Braden, guess what? Now you're not just that. Now you're the captain, too. Like, you're leading this group. Yeah. You, you know, like, even though you're not wearing a C, you're leading this group. You're the guy. A lot of eyeballs are going to turn to you right now. And how you play and, you know, how you lead, by example, will help this team. Yeah. And so, Brandon Saad, buddy, we got four years of you left here. I, we need more. Yeah, We man. need more from you. You can bring more. You're going to get more ice time. You're going to take on a bigger role. Colton Pareko. You're my alpha dog, right? Remember all that talk? Well, yeah. I need you to act like it now. So I look at it more as it's almost like a company that has a problem. Somewhere within the company, you're like, hey, all right, we all need to step up here. Mm-hmm. You know, We have a problem in sales yep. or distribution yeah. or whatever. I need you to work weekends. I'm going to need you to work. A we got to work this patch until yeah. we get through to so the other side. Figure yep. it out. Right? Yeah. Like, and so that's what I see that text message as. Not as... Like a, hey, you have to be reminded that you need to play better. No, it's a, hey, we're in one here. Yeah. Um, everybody's going to have to pick up their game. And I like the way the players have responded. And if that's the way Army went about it, which I believe he did, was he's reaching out to his team, basically not being vulnerable, but no. saying, hey, listen, this is our only chance. If we don't pick it up, then this team will not look the same down the stretch. It's up to you guys. Boy, and it's and I mean, and that's that's what's also kind of interesting about all of this as well, because there's so many what ifs. And if the team was playing, I mean, there's just so many what ifs with O'Reilly and Barbie and Tarasenko and all of these things. And so it's just um, it's a very interesting time to be a Blues fan. But I just still cannot believe that this team is. I feel like this team should at the very least be good enough to get into the playoffs and really be a pain in the ass for anyone and everyone that they play. I think a seven-game series um, works better for this group. I really do. I feel like these, you know, one game here against the team, this game, this team, this team, like they should be more consistent. They should be able to elevate their game more. But to your point, I do think this is a playoff team, Mm -hmm. and whoever they have to play is not going to be happy about it. You know, they may beat the Blues. They may. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be easy. And that's why I like this team right now is that they're not nearly where they need to be, but they're creeping closer and closer to it. And if they can get close enough to it to get in the playoffs and then they continue to get better and maybe the playoffs helps them catapult that last little bit, I'm not talking about ordering the rings here in a parade down market. I'm talking about a team that can be a disruptor in the playoffs. So – as you get closer to the trade deadline, yeah, and you run, I, I don't, I don't know how the best way to phrase this, but you run the risk of losing Ryan O'Reilly mm-hmm. and Tarasenko to free agency mm-hmm. while getting nothing in return. But at the same time, if you would trade those guys, what are you getting? What are you getting in return? What are you getting? And then that's going to absolutely not helping you. Not right now. Not not for a playoff push. So how do they even manage this next month? Well, that's what's going to happen. The, the you know, Army is famous for saying, the players will tell me what I need to do. Not by verbalizing. Like, the play on the ice and the results yeah. will tell me what I need to do at the trade deadline. And if the Blues are in the playoffs, if they're a team that looks like, hey, 
It's turning a corner. And we add Krug. He's back. All of a sudden, O'Reilly's back. Or Tarasenko's back. You know? Or maybe he looks at it and goes, we got all this way without those guys. Let's go get something for it. Let's see what this group right now that has done all the work, well, the heavy lifting while they've been out. Let's see what this group can do. Ivan Barbashev's going to get a big deal, isn't he? Like, he's going to get, like, one of those four or five-year deals, don't um, you think? So, Barbie's... Or is that the- just... Again, it might just be because of my unabashed love for that man. I I freaking love him. Yeah, I love Barbie, too. Honestly, he's one of the best guys in the world, and he works so hard. But what is he, right? Is he a 26-goal scorer, or is he a 10-goal scorer? That's a big difference yeah, man. In, in the contract that he receives. So the history of his career tells me he's a 10 to... 12 goal scorer last year a bit of an anomaly at 26 goals i'd like to see him get to 15 maybe 18 this year that would say okay you know what had a rough patch he is a 20 goal scorer Mm -hmm. that will give him you know a three or four year deal probably in the three and a half million four million dollar range but if he can't prove that like who's coming over to spend a whole bunch of money on a third line third line guy yeah you know what I'm saying? Like, no, absolutely. And, and this, it's not I love Barbie. I'm just I'm I'm completely removing emotion and I'm being the business guy in this moment. Yeah, see what what we're doing different things. You are removing the emotion. I am putting <laughs> the emotion into it. You yeah, know what I mean? If I had my way, I'd give Barbie a five year extension right now. I just love the and also too, and, and I you know, and this is just a big if. Um and, and I'm not saying that I want this to happen because I don't. But if Ryan O'Reilly is not back here next year for whatever reason, he goes somewhere else in free agency. If Braden Shin is not the captain, I think I'm riding. I, I mean, and, and, and I love yeah. every player on that team, everyone, but Shinner has got to be the guy. I would think that that's the direction you go in, and then you, at that point, elevate Robert Thomas to, to an A. And, a mm-hmm. and see how that works for the next three, four years and kind of go from there. I can't see anybody else taking the C. Like Colton Pareko would be a, a guy you'd think, oh, he's got the contract, got the term. He's not the guy. Yeah. He's a great assistant captain. I think that he leads very well as an individual, what you'd want your guys to act like and, and be like. But Shenner's your guy, in I, my opinion. I just imagine Braden Shin after a game, you go to his locker stall. And it is just ice bag, ice bag, ice bag, ice bag, like just everywhere. Yep. I just assume that that's what it is because there is no part of that dude that is that that he brings back into that dressing room after that game. No, or you just do like I used to do is after every single game, you go sit in the ice bath right up to your chin. How long do you sit in that for? Well, you're supposed to sit in there for like two and a half minutes, but I used to enjoy it. I'm sick and twisted like that, Donnie. Um, well, you're 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 a Canadian. You're probably yeah, used to it. In some I would way, sit in there for like five minutes. And have a Bud Light. <laughs> Man. So much so that I was actually online. I'm not kidding. I was telling my girlfriend last time, I'm like, I'm buying an ice tub. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? And I was online looking at ice baths because I miss it. I'm like, what a perfect time right now to buy one of these little portable ice baths, put it out on the patio, fill it up with water. It's going to be cold as it is. And you just go to the store twice a week and buy like two or three bags of ice. You're out there. Honey, honey, <laughs> it's that Rivers guy. He's out in the bath again, but he is in the short shorts, so you might want to watch. I don't know. <laughs> He's got his tighties on. <laughs> right? Well, uh, Blues with back-to-backers uh, this weekend. Uh, they've got uh, Montreal tomorrow uh, and then uh, Minnesota on Sunday. And uh, so we'll just get a, continue to watch this crazy ride and uh, enjoy uh, every last bit of it. Jamie, thank you very much, my man. 
Always, my friend. The Last Minute Blues Podcast for Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton. My name is Donnie Fandango. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear every episode at 101ESPN.com or 1057thepoint.com. Let's go Blues.